0: That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard all the things that have happened there these last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them, Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures? Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Luke twenty-four thirteen through 27
1: This is the word of the Lord. Thank you and please have a seat. While you do, find your Bibles and find Luke chapter 24 because that is where we're going to be today. Um, what a powerful morning it has already been. Thank you guys for being a participatory church. I know I say that word wrong every time just for my family's sake. Um, we're going to jump right in by participating. So the first Talking Points question on the back of your little insert in your bulletin says, how do we engage people with the truth of who Jesus is? So this, what this summer series called Gospel Conversations is about, it's about how are we engaging people with the truth of who Christ is? So I want to just ask, like, what are some ways we've talked about already? What? Hugs, there we go, that's all a great one, just this morning, good, what else? Listening, Listening. what? Communicating, Communicating. Service. service, serving them, looking to help them, good, what else? Noticing, Noticing them. Right, so in this series that we're in called Gospel Conversations, we're taking a, we've taken a break. We're kind, of, we're kind of wrapping it up over the next couple of weeks. We'll be back in Romans, Lord willing, um, the last weekend in, um, in July. But um, what we have looked at is how can we get better at sharing the gospel with people in, in very real and tangible ways. Because guys, the gospel is the only answer to the, to the world's questions. And yet the problem is, people aren't asking the right questions. So to just engage them with the answer of the gospel, Jesus loves you, is, is in this day and age is skipping a lot of steps for where most people are. So what we're looking at in this series is, how do we get better at turning conversations, at turning like um, interactions towards spiritual things? Right? And so the first thing we did was we looked at making room for God. The first thing we have to do in our lives is we have to make room for God. And we looked at how in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus talked about seeing the crowds, his heart broke for them and then he talked about how his answer for seeing the kingdom come was raising up workers for the field. That was us because the harvest was plentiful as we even read in John 4 today. Then the next week we looked at um, stepping into grace and we looked at the Pharisee and the tax collector and, we ta- and Luke chapter 18 and we talked about how one of the things we have to get, we have to be okay with and part of what my little rant was during our worship time was guys if we don't understand who we are in Christ if we don't understand the grace that has been applied to our lives how can we possibly give it away right and so so it's not just do we see that those people need Jesus but do we see that we need and and needed and need Jesus and he amply supplies all that we need then the third week we looked at I'm taking notice Somebody mentioned noticing people. And we talked about the Good Samaritan. And we talked about how, like, are we just walking by all the hurting among us? And we did some activities throughout the week to kind of train our brains to see people um, for the broken people that we all are apart from Christ. And then, and then the next week we looked at showing them the Father. And we looked at the prodigal son and how how that really isn't a parable about the prodigal son or even about the other brother. But it really is about it's a, it's a parable about the pursuing redeeming grace of the Father, about his heart for people? And do we have that heart for people? And then last week, we talked about listening well. And we looked at the woman at the well, and how do we listen, not just with our ears, but with our hearts? How do we learn to listen and read people um, with our whole hearts? And so today, that leads us to, okay, so in light of all of that sort of relationship building, and and eye training, and heart like molding, how do we actually, then when we're engaging with people, how do we turn it towards spiritual conversations. And what we're, so today's message is entitled, I'm Wondering. Because the way we're going to look at, at doing that very thing, about turning conversations towards spiritual things, is by asking kind of I'm wondering questions. Whether you actually use the words I'm wondering or not will be up to you, but we're going to look at some specific examples of that. And the, and the training thought that's going to drive our discussion today is how do we walk with others so that they have an encounter with the risen Christ. Like all of this conversation, everything I just reviewed, everything we've spent the last six weeks talking about, is ultimately not so people get to know us, or even get to know our relationship with Jesus, it's so that people get to know Jesus. So they have a relationship with Christ. So how do we walk people to that place where they can have an encounter, not with us, but with him? And what we're going to see in Luke chapter 4 is Jesus is going to show us three things. One, we look for opportunities. The second thing is we ask questions. And the third thing is we, we have to share the word. We have to share the truth. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Or it actually means in Romans, we'll see it in Romans 10, the word about Christ. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by understanding that all of God's story is about Jesus. And that's why we need to get to know Christ, and that's why they need to get to know Christ. And so, um, let's start, we're going to pick it up in in Luke chapter 24, and we're going to look at, so how do we walk with others into an encounter with the risen Lord? The first thing is, we have to look for opportunities. Now, we're going to pick it up, and this this is the road to Emmaus, where Jesus is speaking to a couple of disciples. Guys, Jesus had lots of disciples. These are not two of the eleven the Apostle Paul isn't even a disciple yet. These are just two other men who followed Christ. They weren't in the upper room with him. They probably were there at his trial because most of his disciples would have been there off in the distance watching. Most, they were not at the cross. This is on the, and this all has, so one, this happens between two people that were following Jesus for a while, but not his, not his what we think of as the 11 disciples. And this is the day of the resurrection. So I just, just as, as background, so we're going to pick it up in verse 13. It says, that very day, so the day of the resurrection, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So they're, they've been in Jerusalem, they, they were probably there during the crucifixion, now they're leaving Jerusalem on the third day, and they're walking to this town called Emmaus that's seven miles away, which obviously everybody walked back then. And it says, and they were, taking, they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near to them and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Now I want to say, so, so what does that mean, their eyes were kept? Now, one, it is, it is entirely likely and probably is at least partially true that Jesus was intentionally dimming their eyes. The reason we know that is because, one, it's written in the passive voice in the Greek, which means that it was happening to them. But here's the other thing. You, do you remember Mary Magdalene? When she, Mary Magdalene is the woman who sees Jesus. It's the one that we'll see in a minute. Some women went, to the, went and, and saw him. Did she recognize Jesus at first, the day of the resurrection? No, she thought he was a gardener. Right? Why? Because her eyes were darkened, but he opens her eyes and she sees him. Think about the, fish, think about the, the actual disciples in John chapter 21. Peter's like, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to my life. Right, and they're out there fishing all day, he, they, Jesus, and Jesus is on the, on the beach making them breakfast. And you remember, they're, they're like, who's that? Who's that? And then all of a sudden it says, one of them says, it is the Lord. And then they, all of their eyes were open. So there is, sort of the, there is some part of this supernatural part of what's, like Jesus is intentionally sa- not letting these two dudes know who he is. But guys, there's also a part where they're partnering in that. Meaning, because I'm guessing they weren't looking for the right things just like Peter wasn't when he was fishing, just like Mary Magdalene wasn't when she... The, the last thing in Mary Magdalene's mind, in the disciples' mind, when they were fishing there in John 21, or in these two dudes' minds as they're walking to Emmaus, is that they're actually going to see the risen Christ. Why? Because they don't believe it yet. One, the last time they saw Jesus, if they were at his trial, he was beaten beyond recognition. What happened to Christ would have killed every other human being. right? And, and yet... So they're not so. Even if they're like, well, even if he was still alive somehow, he would not look like he looks right now. Like he wouldn't be able to walk and talk, right? So they're not looking for the right things, and they miss him entirely. Guys, doesn't that sound a lot like what's going on in the world? And frankly, if we're going to be honest, even sometimes in our own lives, discouragement, destru- I mean, these two dudes are discouraged. In their minds, they've lost because they're following this rabbi, and he's dead now. They've lost. And, oh, by the way, they just wasted however many months of their life that they were using following him. So they're pretty discouraged. They're not looking around going, hey, I can't wait to see what happens next. I can't to see where the Holy Spirit shows up. I can't wait to... None of that is on their radar. So, they, so here comes Jesus walking up, and they miss him. But again, that's the world. Discouragement, distraction, fear. These are all things that are tools of the enemy. He just uses to partner with our flesh. And guys, it's the same thing in the... In the Karen and I were praying on the way over here and we're talking about how, man, it's so neat to see all the places God's working and we both also prayed and, um, and, and Lord, show us the number of times we miss where you're at because we just walk right by you. You're walking right next to us and we don't notice, right? And so Along those lines, we constantly have to be ready to see him. Turn to Acts chapter 8. And I want to show you a great example. So we're going to come back, obviously, to Luke here. But just turn to the right, a couple of books. So pass the Gospel of John. Turn to Acts chapter 8. I want to show you a, a, another well-known story about, about being ready and useful for when the Holy Spirit calls us. So looking for opportunities. And the Holy Spirit May not always orchestrate opportunities as clearly in your life and my life as he does in Philip's life here. But he does orchestrate opportunities and we miss them. So I'm going to pick it up in, in Acts chapter 8 and starting in verse 26. And it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Now this was not Philip the disciple, this was Philip one of the first deacons. So, and, I, and I only share that just to say this. Not, not because, because, because guys, this, sometimes we read stories in the Bible and we go, well those were the biggies. The deacons were just ordinary dudes known for being that loving Jesus and being full of the Spirit. So here's Philip, just an ordinary dude. Right? They weren't super apostles. They weren't, they were just, he's just an ordinary guy. And it says and he's walk and it says he's going along. And it says, and here comes this angel and says, Rise and go towards the south. Thanks for that clear direction. To the, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. That is He doesn't tell him why, he just says, go. That is a desert place. And I've been there and it is. It's like Arizona hot. And way, way, I mean, it's like walking on Mars. There's no vegetation, there's no nothing. And then he says, and he rose and went. Do you see Philip's immediate obedience? So one of the things is, man, we got to be, when, when, when God says go, we need to go, right? When, and, and that's one of my big struggles. And then he says, and there there's Ethiopian, an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of Ethiopia, who was in, charge of, was in charge of all their treasures, he had come to Jerusalem to worship. So now one, the Holy Spirit is already working on this Ethiopian eunuch. Because he's come to worship God. Not worship Jesus, to worship God. Right? To worship Yahweh. And it says, which I guess is worshiping Jesus, but we don't have time for that theology. But... It says in verse 28, and returning, he's seated at the chariot, and he's reading from the prophet Isaiah. So my guess is while he's there worshiping, somebody gives him, a, or he buys a scroll of Isaiah or something, and he starts reading it because he wants to know more about this God. So the Holy Spirit, guys, and, and again, I want to point this out because sometimes we just keep beating our head against the wall over people that are not receptive. It doesn't mean that we just turn our backs on those not receptive people, but what it does mean is that we focus most of our energy on what's called low-hanging fruit. Like, when you, when, you, when you see people willing to engage with you in discussion, see that as an opportunity that the Holy Spirit is orchestrating. If you're trying to engage with somebody in a discussion, and they're doing this to you the whole time, just see that as, okay, God doesn't want me engaging there. Right? Or at least not right now in this way. And, just, and be okay with that. That's not a fail on your part. So, the Holy Spirit's the one that has orchestrated the Ethiopian to do all the stuff that's coming next, not Philip, Philip was just available. So look at verse 30. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? Now, he doesn't use the words, I'm wondering, but you could see you could. Hey, I'm wondering, do you understand what it is you're reading? Do you, like, he just asks him a question. He doesn't go up to the chariot and go, I know what that means, let me tell you the truth. He could have, but he starts with just a question. Hey, I'm wondering, do you, do you understand what, you, what you're reading there? And he goes on to say, How can I unless someone guides me? Aha, okay, there's the invitation, right? And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. Now the passage, now now this is the part where the Holy Spirit, I I wish he did more of these kinds of things in my life, but the the Holy Spirit not only has the, the eunuch there and reading Isaiah, but he has him reading a part of Isaiah that is specifically about Christ, like a prophetic piece where it says like a sheep who was led to slaughter and a lamb before his shearer is silent so he opens not his mouth and in his humiliation justice was denied him who can describe his generation for his life was taken away from the earth this is obviously uh, Isaiah writes this about the Messiah 700 years before the Messiah even arrives and, and here comes Philip with a great he, again he doesn't go let me tell you who that is he says um, he asked him that question. So, how, can you understand this? And um, and then it says in verse thirty-four. And the eunuch said to Philip, or, um, and the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does this prophet talk about? About himself or someone else?" So Philip opened his mouth from the be- and from the beginning of the scriptures began to tell him the good news about Jesus. Guys, now when he says the beginning of the scriptures, does he mean the Gospel of Matthew? No, he means Genesis. There is no New Testament yet. Right? And so he's saying, he, here's what's happening. Philip's just walking along, minding his own business. He gets, he, God says go. He's obedient. He goes. Up, walk, the Holy Spirit orchestrates this moment, prepares the eunuch's heart, has him reading the scroll. He starts engaging with him in questions. And Philip is prepared. Now the question is, are you now, I, I wanna, I'm probably saying this a few times. If you, know, if you believe the gospel, you know enough to share the gospel. You don't have to know everything about Scripture to share Jesus. At the same time, the more you know about Scripture, the more, the, the, the more varied your opportunities will be to share Jesus with people. So that is part of why we started up the training center. And I'll talk more about that in a few minutes, but, but we're doing the old, we're going we're gonna to train you in the training center to do, this semester in Old Testament, to do exactly what Philip does right here. So be in the training center on Tuesdays, um, you will, it, it will be time well spent. Look at your second talking points question. I'm going to ask for some participation, so um, I'm going to call, I'm just going to say on these verses, there's four verse references here in this question, and I'm going to need four people who are willing to read out loud right where they're at, nice and loud, these four verse references. So here's the question. Why can't the world see Jesus? Like, why couldn't the eunuch see Christ in the scripture? Why can't the world right now see Jesus? And then there's, there's um three verse references so john 1 1 through 5 who's got it just say i got it if you've been with me in the training center in one of my small groups you know this is kind of what i do i just say i so who somebody said i got it so get re- find that passage and get ready to read it nice and loud john 319 who's got it scott thank you very much i so, so and then the last one is second corinthians 4 3 and 4 thank you very much okay so john 1 1 through 5 who's got it read it nice and loud Okay, we don't have time for this, so whoever said they have it, get it. I don't know if you could hear him, but he was, um, yeah, he was doing that from memory. He wasn't reading that. (laughs) Well done. Well done. Yeah, I guess that's probably that's probably worth taking the time to have him repeat it. So um, as he's staring at me, as he's, I'm like, wait a minute. That's just weird. No. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome is what that is. So go ahead and say it again.
0: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things are made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it.
1: Awesome job, and guys, remember what, what the question is is why can't the world see the world the light shine in the darkness the darkness will not overcome it John three nineteen so go ahead and why well, wait so thank you Scott for doing that by the way and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil so Jesus is the light he comes into the world as the light the darkness does not overcome the light Right? The, the light pierces the darkness, not the other way around, people. Right? That, we got to remember that. But men, the world, remember we're talking about why doesn't the world see the gospel, see the gospel light? Because they love the darkness, because their deeds are evil. Now Paul makes this point in Second Corinthians. Go ahead, Jan.
0: And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God.
1: So do you see Do you see the dynamic there? We love the darkness in our flesh. The enemy has blinded our eyes. Those two things work together to keep the world from seeing. Now what is... You, go ahead. Actually, um, maybe just have... Are you still open there to that part of the body? Do you have? Okay. So thank you, Audra. So what is... God's solution. Well, it's the very next two verses to what Jan just read. Go ahead.
0: For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants. For Jesus, for Jesus' sake, excuse me, for God, who said, "Let light shine out of darkness," has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ.
1: Do you, Do you hear that, what the answer? So the world doesn't see. Because the world is, is filled with darkness and we are God's solution to shining the light. We're it. right? Like, like God's plan for seeing his kingdom come, his will be done, for piercing the darkness, for thwarting the schemes of the enemy, for all of the, It is us. If you are saved and you're sealed and you're still here, it is for one primary reason and that is to share Christ with people who aren't. Right? Now, what we've been spending all of this time talking about is how do we get better at that? Like, how do we practically do that? Well, first, we have to look for opportunities. The second thing is we need to get better at asking questions that will lead to spiritual conversations. And that brings us to our second point. So I think I left you next. Go to Luke chapter 24 again, and we're going to pick it up in verse 17. So here comes Jesus asking some wondering. So we, where we left these two were, they're walking along, um, and, um, and he's asking them, and, um, and their eye, they don't know that it's him yet. Now look at verse 17. And he said to them, what is the conversation that you are having with each other as you walk? And he doesn't again, he doesn't use the words, I'm wondering, and you don't have to either. But you can imagine it would fit, like, I'm wondering, hey, what are you guys talking about? I mean, just can you just imagine these two dudes are walking down this road, and Jesus just sort of slides up next to him, and he's just listening in on the conversation. And rather than going, "Hey guys, um, you know, I, I hung out with you for like a year and a half. I taught you all the scriptures. I told them were all about me. Why, why are you guys sitting here wondering? Why are you depressed? Why?" Are, he could have done all that, but he knows that if he does, he's like, "I've done that for a year and a half, or however long it was with these two particular disciples, and it obviously hasn't sunk in yet. So I'm going to." Asked them a question. Hey, what are you guys talking about? I'm wondering, what are you, what are you guys talking about? And look at what it says. They, they, they stood still, so they stopped, and they looked sad. It tells you a little bit about their heart condition. We'll come back to that to why they're sad in just a minute. It says, then one of them, named Cleopas, answered and said, Are you the only visitor of Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these, last, in these few days? And Jesus, again, could have said, Yeah, I know, because guess what? Bam! Right, And he's like, I was the one on the cross, by the way. And instead he goes, what things? I'm wondering, what things are you talking about? Again, he's just trying to, he is like priming the pump. right? He's trying to get these guys thinking about, like getting ready to see who he really is. And then it says this, they're concerning, but, but look at what they, they, they think of Jesus. Concerning Jesus or Nazareth, a man who was a prophet Mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the, our chief priests and rulers delivered him up upon it um, and condemned him to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel, and I don't have time to go into it, but they, guys, they, they were thinking completely differently than, than Jesus the Messiah, the redeemer of sin. They were thinking Jesus the Messiah who's going to come and establish a government. Right, and so like right then and now, and so they're like they're all bummed, and they think he's just a man, just a teacher. So there's all kinds of problems there. And then it says this: Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were in the tomb early, and they were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels, and that he was still alive. And then some of those who were with us, meaning like John and Peter in particular went to the tomb, and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Now, I'm going to take an aside here for just a minute because I'll, I want to point something out that, that, that Brian beautifully pointed out in the John passage when he read the, 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 where I left off last week in John chapter 4, the role of women. Because right now in our culture, guys, the, the women, like Christianity, the church is being bashed for bashing women. Especially in light of the Dobbs decision, especially like they're saying, well, well you, you, you know, the church is just anti, this is just a way to oppress women. This is just, this is anti, you're just, the church has always been anti-women. People who say that, you know why they say that? Because somebody told them that. Because historically, it's just not true. Guys, here's the reality. In ancient writings, you would not have seen, in no other religious ancient writings, do you see women mentioned prominently. Right, the fact that not only was it Mary Magdalene who was the one who saw him first, exalt, helping exalt women in Christianity, but the fact that these two brothers mention her and Luke records it. He could have just been like, I'm just going to leave that part out because that's going to throw, throw off all the male chauvinist pigs. right? Because it's going to remind them that women have a place in the church. Guys, Christianity is... Get this, don't, don't believe, I'm just, this is just an aside because of our current cultural moment. Christianity has done more for women than any other religion in the world. That is the, that is the truth. Have bad things happened in the past at certain times? Of course they have. The church is made up of a bunch of sinners as well. But Christianity has done more for the place and the, and the rights of women than any other religion of the world by far, probably than all the rest of them put together. And that is the truth. Now, back to, back to today's message, because it was worth t- stopping and talking about that. Rather than tell them what he wants to tell them, Jesus is asking questions to get them ready to hear what he has to say. Guys, we, got, we have to remember, the gospel is what I said earlier, the gospel is the answer to all the world's questions. The problem is they're not, one, they don't even know they have a question, and if they do have a question, they're not asking the right ones, right? And so for us to just jump right in with an answer that they don't even know they need is not the answer. And to say, well, okay, so I'm going to start with you're a sinner and you're going to hell. I, they, unless they believe, unless they know they, that's true, right? They're just like, oh, you're just one of those judgmental Christians, like that just that does not work in our culture anymore. Now, do we need to address that we're all sinners and we do need Jesus and it's the only way? Absolutely. I'm not saying downplay sin. I'm saying just don't lead with that. Jesus doesn't. Guys, do you think think about like think about how, like God has always been a questioning God. Isn't that interesting? Right, right after the fall, Adam and Eve fall, Genesis chapter 3. Does he come to them and go, "What does he come to them and go, like, I know what you did. How does he come? Where are you, Adam? Remember Cain and Abel? How does he come to Cain? Hey, where's your brother? Abraham and Sarah. Years later, don't blame her, but he's having, the angels having this, the pre-incarnate Christ is having this conversation with Abraham. He's like, hey, she's going to have a baby by the time I come back next year. And Sarah's in the tent laughing. And remember what, remember what the angel says? Not, well, not just why are you laughing, he, even, he starts before that. That's the question we all remember, me too. But he, he says, hey, where's your wife? Does God not know? Does God not know where Adam was? Does God not not know what, what actually happened to Abel? Does God not know where Sarah was? How about in first, um, first Kings chapter 19? Elijah's running from Jezebel, hiding out in a cave. God shows up big, but how does he first show up? He shows up, he says, why are you here? What are you doing here, Elijah? Right? God has always been, like, why? Here's why. Because nothing, guys, get this. Understand this. Write this down. Nothing gets people to a place quicker than a good question. Like, nothing gets people to, to a place to receive the truth better than a good question. And I'm, I'll just tell you right now, I stink at asking them. I do. So, I, I mean, I'm working on this too, but... But nothing will get them to a place of receiving the answer faster than a good question. Because it causes people to reflect on where they're at, what they're doing, who they are, what their needs are. And so we've got to get better at asking those kinds of good questions. In the Godspace book, he calls them wondering questions. I'm just going to read a quote from the book. It says, I'm wondering questions. This is out of the book. Guys, if you have a book, you picked one up early on and you haven't opened it, please return it. back. Just put it back on the back table so other people can have them because we're out. Um, But I just want to encourage you to... But um, there are over 100 I'm wondering exam questions in the back of the book for all different kinds of topics. So as you're engaging with people in different areas, like different ways of thinking, it's like here's here's five questions in this particular area of life. There's literally over 100 of them in the book. I'm wondering can be expressed in a multitude of ways, but there is something about beginning a question with I'm wondering that sets it apart. While anything can be overused, this phrase tends to soften the language that follows. It has the potential to instantly create God's space by demonstrating that you have been sincerely thinking about and actively listening to something that they said. It also protects us from dominating the conversation with our own worldview before we even know what theirs is. And then there's a list of, of uh, like I'm wondering questions. Like, like is it? That's an interesting perspective. I'm wondering how you arrived at that conclusion. I'm wondering what role religion played in, in your life. These are just st- examples of the hundred plus in the book. I'm wondering why the topic of God seems to stir you up with such strong emotion. I'm wondering what you think you would, you would, you would have to give up to or lose to become a Christian. As, as we're talking, I've heard you talk about several things that seem to that seem to be. That seem to be missing in your life right now i'm wondering if you're searching for something that's capable of filling those voids I want to give you a quick personal example and i 'm um, just going to take the time to do it. It just came to me this morning so so back before so in early May when when the Dobbs um, decision was leaked, and I was still on social media, um, a young man that I used to coach in football years ago, my first couple of years of teaching he had posted something about you know like about being he was obviously, it, it, was that, it was that, you know, I, I'm not really personally for abortion, but as a man, I don't have the right to tell somebody. And I knew this young man to have been a Christian when I was, when I was teaching him. I wasn't a Christian when I was teaching him, but he was, and ironically, right? And, um, and, so, and I did something I never do. I engaged in a conversation on social media. But, but, I, but I did it for, not, not to make an argument with him, but, but in the hopes of demonstrating that you can do it with civility, knowing that it's almost impossible. So here's what I asked. I said, hey, Mike, I used to have this, even after I became a follower of Christ, I had that same opinion. Like, who am I as a man to tell a woman what to do with her body? The struggle I had was, when does that baby have rights of his or her own? Like, when does that baby really become a person? And I couldn't come to a good answer. Like, that, that wasn't, so, so that's why I'm for the decision that was made. And then I asked him a question. I'm curious. I didn't know wondering yet. I had, I'd for, hadn't read the book. I'm like, I'm curious. What would your answer be to when that child has rights? Now, he didn't answer. Several of his friends did. And they ripped me. You're just a pig. That's what the problem is. That's, uh, and I read them not all of them, just a few of them, and I said, hey, I just, I said, I feel your pain, I understand your angst, but you never answered my question, and I genuinely would like to know what you think about when, now, now, to the point, I'll let you, they never answer the question. My, 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 my goal was twofold. One, to drive the conversation to spiritual things. This is not an argument about women's rights. This isn't even an argument really, like I said last week, about the life of a child, although it is, certainly. It really is about the glory of God and, that, and the fact that that child, just like the mom, is an image bearer of the glory of God, right? And I just wanted to interject that into the conversation. And then the second thing was, do it in a way that wasn't argumentative. Now, here's what, here was the cool part. I haven't heard from this young man in probably 25 years. He instant messaged me. He wouldn't put it on the public, but he, he messaged me, which I never even get on, or it didn't even then, and he said, hey he said, hey coach, I just wanted to thank you for demonstrating what civil discourse can look like in social media that is so rarely seen in our culture today. I hope you're well. And that was the end, and I never heard from him. I, I have no, my goal wasn't to convince them. I mean, I would love to, but I'm not gonna do that in that time and place. I just wanted to turn it towards a spiritual thing by asking them a question. Letting them know my own struggle. Yeah, I struggle with this. I've struggled with this too. And let me ask you a question, right? And and what the Lord ends up doing with that, I don't know. It's not on me. That's up to the Lord to decide. So, I don't know if I have time for this. Um, turn to yeah, uh, just to, to turn to turn to Luke chapter nine. Just go, eh, whatever. Turn turn to, turn to I I, I want I just want to show you. I think some of you are still wondering, like, okay, we just gotta get to the truth. We just just gotta point out the truth. Here's what's interesting. Jesus, walking, at this point in his life, he has not only been walking with his disciples for about a year and a half or two years in Luke chapter nine, but he is now intentionally focusing all of his attention on the 12. And he doesn't even, in that case, look at them and go, hey guys, by the way, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Christ. If you haven't picked up on it by everything else I've said, I just wanna make it really clear to you two old dudes that I'm him. What does he do? He asks them a question. He says in verse, where is it? In verse eighteen. Now it happened that as they were, as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he asked them, say, hey, I'm wondering, who do the crowds say that I am? Some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say that you're Elijah, and so others, a prophet of of the old, have risen and then he looks at them and he asks them he asks them the question of life he doesn't tell them the answer he asks them a question but what say you that is the question of life and he doesn't go there with a statement he goes there with a question who do you say that i am and then you know most of you know the rest you are the christ turn to your last talking points question What is the focus of most of your thoughts, interactions, conversations? How much of those things have to do with the things of Christ and His eternal kingdom? Why do I ask that question right here? Get us to reflect, Get us to reflect on. But I've asked this kind of question before, right? I've, I've stole it from Paul Tripp. He talks about like how much of your anger, angst, whatever you're, you're dealing with, has any eternal significance whatsoever right? This is, but why here? Why am I asking this question here as it relates to our conversation today? Check your pulse. pulse. What do you mean by that, Mark? Okay, figure out where you are. back, Back to that whole idea of like the first couple of messages in particular. Good. What else? How else? Good, so if you heard Adam, like, if we really believe what we believe, then, then it would compel us to share within opportunities that we have. Absolutely. What else? Think about, just think about, it. so you're going to leave here, you're going to go to lunch somewhere, you're gonna, whatever you do, you're going to go shopping later this afternoon or tomorrow or something. Like, how does this question relate to how we're walking into a supermarket? Are you walking in there going, here's my list, I got to get in, I got to get out, like which, which I, and I've, I've said this before, which I tend to do, are you walking in there going, I am here by a divine appointment, because I'm here, right, and, I, and the Holy Spirit's in me, so the Holy Spirit's here, and I'm going to look around and see what kind of eternal impact I can have, right, like, do we make space for that, so that, that would be a huge part of it to me, right. How can we get better at asking questions that would turn towards spiritual conversations? So that's ultimately what we're talking about here: is one, learning like what some of those questions are, and then honestly, guys, the answer is just practice. Like we just have to we have to be listening for those moments, those those gate those um those gates that we talked about last last week or two weeks ago, and then we have to and then rather than step into those with a statement, hey, I'm wondering why you said that, and right? I'm wondering about this statement that you made? Can you tell me more about that? Like asking those kinds of questions. Which leads us to our last point. Because then, as we're we're seeing the conversation turn to spiritual things, go back to Luke chapter 24, and we're going to finish it up. And pick it up in verse 25 with our last point. We share the scriptures. Look at what he says. And he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Right, he, has, he has brought them to this place where, where like, like they've tripped over themselves, almost literally. And then, it says, and then he says, Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? He's like, didn't I teach you guys that? He's asking a question. And then he says, And beginning with Moses, which is the law and the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Guys, do you, can, can you do that? Right? Could, could you do what Jesus just did here? Could you walk someone through, this is God's story from Genesis to Malachi? Right? In other words, God didn't have a plan A, a plan B, and now plan C is Jesus. God's only ever had one plan, right? and all the reasons that there's sin in the world and evil and everything else is all part of God working the story together, and there's a purpose in that, and that purpose is Jesus Christ. Can you do that? I told you before. Okay, so there's a slide. Um, it's going to come up here. A, it looks probably, I don't know what it looks like on here. So that is what we call our Old Testament flowchart. It, it looks like a big mess. If you take the Old Testament survey class that starts up in September, it ends before Thanksgiving, Tuesday mornings or Tuesday evenings, you will be able to walk through that story from memory. Guys, here, and it isn't just about knowing the Bible facts. What it, all that story is, is where is Jesus in the story? And I'm here to tell you, nothing will make the Bible come to life to you like knowing that story. I, even the New Testament. Like, nothing made the New Testament more real to me than knowing the Old Testament this way. And so I, I just really want to encourage you because, as I say, if not you, who? If not now, when? Like, could you do what Philip did? Could you say, hey, well, here, here's, why I, here's what Isaiah was talking about. Right? So, so that's just so critically important. Let's keep going. We'll finish it up. It says... So they drew near to the village where he was, um, in which they were going, and, and, and he acted as if he was going to go further. So he was just going to, hey, see you guys later. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. Guys, do you want to know if you're making headway with somebody that you're having an ongoing conversation with? If they invite you into their space? If they invite you into their conversation, if they invite you into their world, if they say, hey, let's meet for coffee, if they say, hey, why like come to dinner, you know you're making headway. The the fact that these two guys are like, hey, no, they don't even know who he is yet, but they're like, hey, why don't you come, why don't you come hang out with us? We we would really like it if you would come and hang out with us. So before we take those last three two verses, I'm gonna have the music team come up and, and we're gonna have our time of response and communion and and song but i just want to ask you guys like like i know this this message this series even has been about how do we engage with other people how do we engage with the unbelievers among us how do we how do we invite people into this encounter with christ but i'm wondering like where are you and maybe it's saved or not yet saved but maybe it's you're saved but, but you have some watered down version of Jesus like you, you believed but the gospel that you believed in was sort of not the whole story like maybe you know a lot of facts about Christ but have never really had an encounter with Christ so you can't Lead someone else into an encounter with Christ? But maybe you have had an encounter with Christ. But it's always been at this very superficial level. Time is short. Eternity is long. If the weather does nothing else for us, it should remind us that hell is really hot and that most of the world is racing there. And God's only solution, guys, for seeing people saved is you, is me, is us. That's it, that's his whole plan. That's that's the whole project. Have you wondered maybe sometimes like, why is it so hard for me to share him with other people? Maybe it's because you don't know him deeply enough. See, the beauty of Bible study and, and getting to know your Old Testament or knowing apologetic arguments, or, guys, ultimately, you know what it does for us? If all it does is fill our heads with knowledge, we become Pharisees. And it has that danger. I admit that. But ultimately what it does is it anchors our faith even deeper and deeper into the rock. And the more anchored we are, the bolder we will become it goes back to my rant that I hadn't planned on ranting during our music time. Okay, so we have an identity problem. And a huge part of that is because we, when I say we are who we say we are because the, we are who, he, we are who we are because the great I am says we are, most of you don't know what the great I am says about you. You know parts of it. You know pieces of it. But you don't really know the whole truth. Look at look at the last two verses. He says, when he was at the table with them, so he goes inside, and he took bread and he blessed it and broke it, and he gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Can you imagine? (gasps) It's Jesus! And he disappears. It wasn't quite time other people he needed to go see. Guys, can you imagine? If you're his, you can. Because if you're his, you you can remember the time or times where you've been reading in the Word and and it just like, oh my goodness, there he is! Like it just came to life. Literally, it is living and active. Because I remember, I remember being a God-mocking atheist, sitting in my Old Testament history class at Grand Canyon College as an 18-year-old, reading the Bible going, how can anyone believe in this vengeful, angry God that would allow all this hurt and evil? I read those same words. This has not changed. And I read those exact same words, and I go, Lord, how can you be so patient? so long-suffering, so forgiving. Why? Because because back then, I was the dudes on the road to Damascus, walking along, had, had the word, but my eyes were dim. And then he opened my eyes. And that changed everything. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for um, I do thank you for the story that you're telling. I thank you that that we can rest in, even as we read about this week, how how you have moved your story forward so purposely to this point that we're looking at in the Gospels, and then even to this point that we're living in today. um, That there's nothing that is going on in our world now that is outside of your control, and there's nothing that was going on then. That you are you are like the grand conductor. And although sometimes the music might be hard for us, sometimes um, the tune might not be pleasant for us, we know that you're the one playing it and you have purpose in it. And so, Lord, I, I do pray right now for those, for those in this room or those that are hearing my voice, Lord, that, that don't yet know, that have not yet seen, that maybe know about you but don't really know you. Lord, I pray that today would be the day like it was for me 25 years ago where the scales of my eyes and the darkness of my heart would, were changed in an instant. And Lord, for those of us that do, we do see but the things of this world and our flesh and the enemy can sometimes cloud our vision. Lord, let us grab a hold of the corrective lenses of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us filter all that we see and feel and experience through the lens of your pure word. And let that do its work in our lives. For the fame and the glory of your name we pray these things. Amen. Amen.